Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Garforth Education Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be focusing on screening, progress monitoring, and instruction. This is a really important topic because it's going to allow us to make the changes and have more success in our schools and classrooms for all students. I feel that as a society, one of our most important responsibilities is to ensure that our children become both literate and numerate during their years of formal schooling. Now, unfortunately, if we look at how things are going currently, we're doing a great job with some kids, but not so hot with others. And I think that we should do better. And in fact, research shows us that we can do better. So we need to do everything in our power to allow us to do so. Now, often you hear about an analogy of creating a gate so children don't fall down a waterfall and get have to have an ambulance come pick them up and sort them. And that's something that we can do with screening and progress monitoring. Uh, it makes me think of a quote by Mark Seidenberg that says that, you know, delays in identifying struggling readers are hazardous because earlier interventions are more successful. The way we're currently doing things in many classrooms in English speaking countries, at least, to, you know, if we take a historical perspective, there are uh, countries and areas that have been doing a great job to change this, but we see that we don't have a gate saving children or catching them before they fall. We're giving instruction the way that we've always done or using different programs. And we're seeing that some of our children are coming out successfully with the skills that they need in numeracy and literacy, but others aren't. And they're having to be picked up in the ambulance, going to special education or private tutoring to get the support that they need to learn the basic skills that we are expecting the public education to require. Now, when we implement screening and progress monitoring, it's allowing us to create a fence across at the top of the waterfall so we can catch the students so they don't fall down and become instructional casualties needing the special education ambulance or the additional support after school through tutoring or the ones that aren't so lucky fall through the cracks, drop out, and end up with many uh, long-term consequences. So what I want to say is as educators, we need to use screening and data to inform our decision-making and instructional practices within the classroom and schools. Doing so allows us to use real-time information about our students for goal setting, planning, and judging the progress we make in our instruction. This is crucial because 
we can fall into the trap of committing a suicide. Uh, it's a term that I believe was coined by the great Anita Archer. And that's when we are making assumptions about what our students know without actually checking in and seeing that they do. I see this happen with high school students all the time being referred for comprehension issues. And the teachers are saying, well, you know, they just they just don't understand what they're reading. But then when we take a closer look, we actually find out that in fact, they aren't actually able to read the text. So it is logical to understand why they are not comprehending what they're reading because they can't read it. So this is where screening comes in. And ideally we're talking about universal screening so that every student in every classroom, especially in the primary years are being screened to make sure that they're falling in track. So a screening measure should be brief, easy to administer and provide information that informs instruction and it will ideally allow the teacher to improve outcomes. I remember on my other podcast, Reading Development, or sorry, the Right to Read Initiative, I was interviewing a teacher who, you know, started out on her own and read a book about structured language and literacy over the summer, was introduced to screening, and she had a grade two classroom. And in the past, she, she hadn't done any screening with them. Uh, but this year, she started with screening the students and recognized that she was assuming that the students had these skills that based on the curriculum, they should have had. But in reality, they didn't. So if she started her teaching that she normally would have done and had done in previous years with grade two students, they wouldn't have success and she'd be wondering why. So instead of starting day one with grade two curriculum, she went back, looked at the assessment data, was able to create differentiated instruction, meaning that she was tailoring the instruction to the based on the students' needs. There were lessons that she was able to do as a whole group with her classroom. There was you know, things that she covered in small groups with her students so she could target skills that not everybody needed, but some people needed. And then she was able to make sure that the students that really struggled in certain areas got the support they needed to succeed. Informing our instruction makes a huge difference. And it means that we are using the data from the screening measures that the educators have administered. So if you are a classroom teacher, the goal is for you, the classroom teacher, to administer these screening measures so that you have a clear picture of how your students are doing. And it allows you to create that plan, trying to promote the success for students. Sometimes this is considered to be response to intervention where we're doing uh, screening to identify students and 
making sure that the students are making the progress we expect. And it's also considered a MTSS model or a multi-tiered system of support, meaning we're not expecting all students to need all of the same instruction. And we are not keeping instruction in certain topics for students or from students that need it. So for example, when we look at reading instruction, there are so many elements that come in to becoming a skilled reader who comprehends the text that they are reading. So if we see that a student struggles with phonological awareness and phonics knowledge, so knowledge of the relationship between the phonemes of the spoken language and the graphemes of the written language, then we need to make sure that they have support to fill in those missing gaps. It's often that if uh, this has practice has not been used in the past, we're going to find several students that do need support in these areas. And it is our responsibility of, as educators to fill in those gaps and provide that support that students need to succeed and master these rudimentary skills that are going to allow them long term to become competent and skilled readers. Now, when we are doing intervention periods or intensive instruction in small groups, we want to make sure that what we are doing is actually working for the students. So there, we can do something called progress monitoring measures. And these are, again, quick and easy measures that allow us to see whether the student is learning what we are teaching. And it allows us to gather information about our at-risk students that we're working in small group and one-on-one -on -one that we would have to wait and see later on if we were just doing the three times a year screening with students. It's more important to make sure that we do it as we are seeing our, our lessons occur to make sure that we can make the tweaks we need to the instructional strategies and the support allowing students to um, get the best that they need and the best opportunity of success, reducing the time that they are struggling. Now, one of the objections that some people have with this screening and progress monitoring model is they are worried that students are being labeled or identified as an individual with a learning disability. And I want to make it clear that this is not the point of screening and progress monitoring. Screening and progress monitoring is intended to catch students before they fall, before they've had the instruction to become readers and give them the support that they need to quickly catch up especially when we're working with our primary students, because that is the most effective time of reading instruction. So even though with our screening, we identify a percentage of our students as at risk for reading failure or at risk for failure in mathematics, because we provide the appropriate instruction and support, we are going to reduce that risk and ideally make it so they do not develop into a student that has a, a specific learning disorder in reading, writing, or mathematics. And the data is clear that this is possible. It is something that we can do. 
And it's something that we can do in a timely, efficient, and cost-efficient manner, meaning that a lot of these screens are at a low cost or free. And recognizing that the amount of time that we're saving now by doing the effective instruction early when it's going to make the biggest differences in these children, especially because they haven't had the opportunity to fall so far behind their peers, it means that long term we're going to be saving money in the special education department because we're only going to support the students that really need it. One other objection I hear is you may be identifying students that don't need it. Well, if that's the case, then we can quickly take them out of the group and recognize that everybody doesn't perform their best on every single day, but it allows us to do better for our students and reach that target of 90% and above students becoming readers, which I feel is a really uh, amazing thing and something that we should all be striving for. When it comes to looking for screening assessments, there are a lot of them out there. They are not all created equally, and it's not something that you necessarily want to go and create on your own because there is a lot of money, time, and expertise putting into creating a quality screening measure that is valid and able to accurately predict what students are going to need extra support and what students are not. So some of the things that you want to make sure is when you're choosing screening assessments, they're aligning with what you are teaching, especially when we're looking at progress monitoring assessments. If we are working on phonological awareness with students, we don't want to be giving them a phonics screener because while they may have increased their phonics knowledge, that's not what the focus is of the instruction. So it's not really providing us with information that is useful. We want it to be technically adequate, meaning that the time and effort has gone into judging the validity of the assessments. Are the questions within the assessment actually assessing what they are saying they are? It is easy to throw together an assessment and say, oh yeah, it's doing what it's doing, but we actually need to take the time to put the research in and see if it is aligned. And that takes uh, years of data collection and a lot of statistical analysis. When we are administering screening assessments, we should be using standardized procedures for administration. That means that it's going to be a scripted test, and we are using this to see where students are and not try to teach them in the moment of the assessments. Standardized, sorry, um, screening assessments should only take, you know, less than five minutes when you're working with a student. And if we're doing this three times a year, it's maybe 15 minutes of the entire instructional time within the school year that they are not having that education um, happening and the promotion of the learning. We're wanting to see how they're doing and how we can support them in the future. Now, I know standardized assessments get a lot of bad rep and it all depends on what you are doing with the data 
and how you are using it to inform your instructions. So we don't want to teach to a screening test because that's not going to help us see what the students are doing and or how the students are doing. We want to get adequate information about how they are making changes in their learning and increasing their skills between the time that we have done this screening. We want them to be criterion referenced. That means that we've figured out cutoffs where we're having students who score below this number are considered at risk and students who score above are not. There is always, of course, a possibility that there are going to be false positives, but recognizing that this is not for the purpose of diagnosis, but to alert us of students that may be having trouble and needing additional support. So long term, it just means that they're going to have better instruction to meet their needs and teachers can use their judgment if they feel that actually, in fact, it was just not a great day. And we can see that this student has mastered the skills. Our progress monitoring measures have made it so that we know that they've responded and they can return to the uh, classroom instruction and no longer need the support. It is important that both screening and progress monitoring measures are repeated measures, meaning that they have equivalent forms that allow you to screen at the same uh, age level and testing the same skills, but not with the same test. There are kiddos out there that memorize things extremely easily, and we don't want them to have a false positive or a false negative because they've memorized the test. And we uh, the best way to do that is making sure that we have a different measure to administer each time they do it. Efficiency is key. We need to make sure that uh, a teacher can realistically go through their classroom in a day or two during whatever block they are working on. So if mathematics, it takes like two math classes to get through the class or um in English language arts, the same thing. And this allows us to see that the data that we are collecting is important and it's worth spending that time where you are doing it. You can see if you can get another professional in the building to help support you. But really, if you have your own class or students that are assigned to you for intervention, this is where you're going to make it. So you have the biggest bang for your buck with their time with you because you are seeing in real time how they are doing and how you can better support them within the classroom and pull out as necessary. Another important feature of these types of measures is that they can be summarized efficiently. You want to make sure that you can see the data and interpret what it means fairly quickly. It doesn't need to be some laborious thing that's going to take you hours and hours after the fact. That's why you see many programs have databases associated with them so you can input the number for the student and get the results and a summary of the results for the class putting students with weaknesses in certain areas together uh, to be 
available for you. Now, these are typically low cost assessments, but they make a huge difference and take a lot of the load off of you going through and going, spending the time looking at the scores and interpreting what they mean. These systems are also, again, based on research and designed to provide the support that you need. When it comes to screening and progress monitoring, we ideally want it to be done throughout the whole school. When we're looking at reading, obviously, as and numeracy, as students get older, we're not going to be using the same screening tool. We want it to be specific for the level that they are at. And if we notice that they're not doing well, maybe go behind a year behind to see how they're doing on those assessments to really determine what is best for them. We don't want to be testing what we are not teaching because that doesn't give us useful information and there are better things that we can do with our time. It's also important that we have this data on record so we can look at it over the years that the student is in education and see trends in their learning. And ideally, administrators within your school will have the knowledge and expertise or agree to learn with you along the way so they can help you understand and interpret the data so that you know what to do with it and know how to proceed with your students. Now, that's uh, everything I'm going to be talking about today when it comes to screening, progress monitoring, and intervention. But if you enjoyed this lesson or this episode, please make sure that you like, share, and comment on whatever platform you saw it on. And feel free to research out uh, by asking me questions. Also, please do be sure to follow Garforth Education on social media so you can learn about upcoming episodes. If you're wanting to learn more about progress monitoring, screening, and using this data to inform your instruction, I would suggest enrolling in my course, Reading Development Explained, because it does go through this through a reading lens. So it does not uh, tackle the numeracy side of things but it will give you a better idea on reading. And in spring of 2024, I hope to have my new course um, assessment, or sorry, uh, screening and assessment explained available for you to really take a deep dive into this topic. Now up Next, our next episode will be recorded in the new year. Episode 14 is going to look at executive functions and behavior. Executive functions play a large role in our ability to control our emotions and react to situations appropriately. It is helpful to consider how executive functions are contributing to a problem behavior if we are wanting to prevent the situation from happening in the future. If you're wanting to learn more about this, make sure you stay tuned. The live recording is going to happen January 8th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and it will be available on the podcast shortly thereafter. Have a great day and a safe and happy holidays and new year.